I think uh, Roach Coach calls that, uh, you know, when you go butt. They've been talking on their latest episodes. They're like, did this band just go full butt? Because they're talking about butt rock. They're like, oh, my God, I think this band did swing into full butt. You never go whole butt. Oh, my God. You should hear some of the shit they said about the cold albums. Oh, man. I, I don't even want to know. I, I tried to listen to cold, to I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Fucking cold. You're the spider my ass. Don't worry. They just got wicked. They weren't Mother wicked before. just got wicked. I know. It's funny because he's all like, he screams that like he's going to do something super metal. And then, and then he's all like, oh, and, then he goes, and then he goes full butt for the rest of the album. That's right. <laughs> and if you bury your dead by dawn, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. This is the Doomhammer. Buddy is here to talk about the agony scene. Yo. What up? Glad to be back. It's been like, what, almost a year since I've been on here. We've had him trapped in this box for weeks. So all those times you heard, that was him. Oh, wow. Okay. Thought it might have been Josh. So last week, Joe decided it would be a good idea for us to talk about The Offspring. It was received well. This discussion is my retaliation. We want to get it super metal back here on Discography Discussion. As quickly as possible. So this week we are discussing the agony scene. Four albums of Americanized death metal. Metalcore greatness. Little hints of black metal sprinkled around in there. Too. There's some black metal sprinkled in for flavor. It's metalcore. It is all metalcore, like really. It's like the least ground pepper just thrown on. <laughs> just to add a dash of peppery notes into is that what people say notes like notes of flavor i don't know nodes of ron v- anyway uh so <laughs> <laughs> that's a different episode there are vomit vocals there blah, blah, blah. yeah okay so the agony scene is a band that i've wanted to talk about for a long time because this band is notable in that they've been on like every good record label they've been on solid state records they've been on century media they've been on roadrunner records i mean that's that's kind of running the gamut of like almost all the bands that we like have been on those record labels yeah, and it was like one album per record label. Exactly. Because <laughs> these guys were uh, supposedly a little hard to work with at the beginning. So you're saying they all had lead singer syndrome? I don't know about you, Joe, but I am ready to dive into it. Before we dive into it, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here here on Discography Discussion, and we want to hear from you guys. We appreciate the reviews we've gotten so far. You guys have been amazing. However, if we're your favorite podcast and you haven't gone onto your favorite podcasting app and given us a five-star review, we appreciate it. You can actually even go on Facebook.com slash Discuss Metal. You can actually go to Facebook.com slash Discography Discussion and leave us a review there if you would so like. The world these days is run by algorithms. It is run by recommendations. 
highly rated podcasts are more likely to get recommended to metal fans like yourself than a podcast that has no ratings. We want ratings. We don't get paid for ratings. We appreciate you guys giving us the ratings that you've given us. So if you want to leave us a review, leave us a review, positive or negative. We will read it on the show. For that Offspring episode, though, I totally changed my rating to one star. Well, buddy, you don't count. (laughs) (laughs) Why is everything about you one, buddy? I already talked to iTunes and Facebook, and they're like, this guy's fucking ridiculous. So we're good. (laughs) We got a comment on episode 73, Iced Earth. This was from YouTube. Chuck Hoskins, I respect your opinions, but self-titled with Gene is awesome. Also... Dark Saga is a masterpiece. Still enjoyed the show. Just my two cents. Well, we appreciate your two cents. And if you'd like to give us more than two cents, you can go to patreon.com forward slash discuss metal and get access to a exclusive album review feed. And thank you for the comment. Um, I understand that sometimes we have differing opinions on the show. Don't take my word for it. That's just like my opinion, man. So if you love the Dark Saga, more power to you, man. You can have a correct opinion, too. Is that what you're saying, Dan? Well, no, only I have the correct opinion. (laughs) (laughs) So, buddy. Yo. Tell me about the agony scene. So, the agony scene started out as what I thought was a Christian metal band. Because their first album, self-titled, The Agony Scene, was on Solid State Records back in 2003. And so that was how I first found them, you know, just browsing Solid State's website, as you do in 2003, and found their stuff, listened to some of the preview tracks, got the album when it came out, and thought it was super awesome. And of course, like, you know, Jeff, I don't look at the lyrics very closely. So <laughs> that's what you got I, didn't take, for, I didn't really take a peek or anything. There's still like things in the lyrics that he says that I still can't pick out. And I'm, I, I hear something completely different. Which is hilarious. Right down and on we'll Friday get night. On some of those. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something. Get down on a Friday night on the lines of suicide is one yeah. line I hear, but that line is actually adored with prying eyes. I yep. still can't hear that. Right down on Friday night. That's how I hear it. I believe Every that conversation went something like this. Buddy, I don't think those are the words. Well, it is now. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> That's what I've decided. From green to red, we paint Best Buy. So, (laughs) you know, that, and, you know, me and Buddy share, you know, a very strong sentiment. I mean, in 2003, Buddy and I were always in a verbal pissing match for who could find the best band, you know? Oh, yeah. So you'd hear about a new band, and, like, we'd be actually, like, mad at each other if we'd already heard of that band. There were times where we actually recommended the same band to one another. And we're like, no, I think it's cool. No, I think it's cool. No, I think it's cool. You know, I told you it was cool. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, like Buddy said, you know, with their association with Solid State Records, typically, you know, we only had Christian metal bands. You know, we had stuff like Living Sacrifice and the early Zayo stuff and Project 86, 86, Norma Jean, like all that kind of stuff. And so the agony scene didn't necessarily seem too different or, you know, stand out as far as that stuff goes. But what I really liked about the Agony scene was that they had kind of that Gothenburg death metal sound that I was just getting into at that time. So As I Lay Dying. Yeah, but not like As I Lay Dying because As I Lay Dying was all about the melodies and the, you know, the, the, the fruity guitar notes and all that dumb shit. 
and uh, this had a raw edge to it. Yeah, they took they took the Gothenburg death metal thing, but like forgot that people call it melodic death metal because this was not melodic. This was punch you in the fucking face kind of kind of riffing. And I love that about the self-titled album. Now, it didn't take too long to realize that this was not a Christian band. You know, we're talking about, you know, um, some pretty serious subject matter about killing people and shit like that. There's a song about uh, a song called Shotgun Wedding, which is about like a hooker giving a blowjob, you know, like that kind of and then being strangled to death because, you know, that's that's it. But, you know, us Christian kids were not used to reading lyrics like that on Solid State Records. But, you know, Solid State gave us, you know, a little bit of an out. They didn't print all the lyrics in the lyric book. <laughs> so you got, like, little snippets of songs that might be okay, but, like, not really. Like, you're flipping through you're flipping through the booklet that comes with CDs, and you're looking at it, and you're like, okay, there's, like, one line from each song on each page, and that's it. So, like, that's kind of your first clue to, like, uh, you know what? Maybe this is not what I think it is. Uh, but... The music was so damn good that, like, there was no denying it, you know, and uh, we accepted that they weren't a Christian band and moved on, you know, whatever, you know, it's fine. Um, We still listened to it. We still enjoyed it. And um, this record is awesome in that it mixes, like, Gothenburg death metal with, like, more brutal, like, American metalcore. And, like, I know normally we would criticize that, but this is not, like... This is not a case of, like, they just borrowed, like, this In Flames riff and then threw some breakdowns on at the end of it. Like, this was different. This was... There was nothing that sounded like this at the time. Like, um, you know, Mike's vocals uh, had... They were that raspy, like, high-pitched sound, almost like you were thinking, like, oh, this kind of is like Zayo, but it's not. Like, it has a completely different intonation to it. Yeah, almost Uh, like At the Gates. Like, uh, if you listen to At the Gates, it's a very similar type of vocal delivery. And even some of their riffs were more like, whereas most metalcore bands borrowed from Azalea Dying, these guys listened to a shit ton of At the Gates. And it was like, like Buddy was saying, like high-pitched, shrieking vocals. But then he had this, like, deep, like, growl that he would come in with during the songs and, like it would make the songs really interesting to listen to because you never knew when he was going to switch it up. Yeah, and something that I thought was also really commendable is that uh, a lot of times you get, um, you know, metal bands that have just like their standard, maybe one or two guitars, bass, drum, vocal, right? And some of the riffs can kind of, some songs can kind of run together. Some don't necessarily stand out. But when you go through this out, this, this track listing, like, every one of these uh songs have something about them that make them really stick and you can uh call back pieces of each of these songs and they really stick with you and you can just start replaying those things in your head yeah it was very deliberate riff choices on this record you know the the shit wasn't just like we didn't just throw it on whatever we came up with the song craft was very high with this record and um I mean, some of the standout songs, uh, obviously, We Bury Our Dead at Dawn was an amazing opener. And uh, you had Habeas Corpus, which was just like, bam, 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 like it just beats you in the fucking face, you know, as soon as you start that song off. And then uh, Lines of Suicide was amazing. Shotgun Wedding was awesome. Um, 
you know, Nausea was an instrumental song that somehow still had vocals on it. <laughs> and uh, Hey, wait a minute. That's not how it goes. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> it's one of those records where it's like, it sounds like I'm just listing off the discography. I'm sorry, it sounds like I'm listing off the track listing, but like, I mean, Judas, Eyes Sewn Shut, you know, Vivid. I don't skip any of these tracks. No, it's a play, it's a play all the way through this. kind of experience. Yeah, and each one of these songs have vivid, uh, super catchy hooks that, you know, normally you associate a hook with like something melodic, but these hooks are bloody and they're raw. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I guess we got to talk about that uh, cover of Paint It Black. It's a badass rendition of that song. Yeah, I love covers that they take the, they take the original idea of the song and they do it in their own version. Uh, like they make it sound like they wrote it. Uh, which I think is the way a cover really should sound. And I think Paint It Black was definitely a very fantastic cover. Yeah, it was the first uh, semi-clean vocal you got from vocalist Mike Williams, and uh, it sounded cool. He has kind of a um, almost a little bit of like a Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins kind of vibe to his voice, and uh, and I think it sounded cool, and uh, it didn't take long. There's not a lot of melodic singing on this record. Actually, there's really no melodic singing on this record. That yeah, comes later. None. This band was not here to mess around. They just delivered the brutal. They delivered the goods and then moved on, you know. And uh, you know, I just I love this record. I still listen to this record quite often when I'm in the mood for something really heavy and something just kind of uncompromising. And it's one of the best examples of mixing, you know, kind of this Swedish death metal thing with American sounding metal. Yeah, um, it's one of the best examples. There's there's tons of terrible examples out there, and this is this is one of the ones where they really got it right. So part of the problem with not printing your lyrics in the lyric book is when you get to a song like Judas, and the way Mike uh, enunciates sometimes it's it can be kind of hard to hear him unless you listen to him a lot. And so on the chorus of Judas, it's actually saying falling farther in darkness, but I cannot unhear funny funny i'm judas <laughs> well this is the agony I scenes know, rendition right. of jesus christ yeah. superstar right this is <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's all i hear it didn't take long for the solid state records community to realize that this is not a christian band and actually i just i just heard an interview about a week or two ago on uh talk to me uh, but with Mike Williams of the Agony Scene, and how he said that when the band had first started with different members, that they had been a Christian band because that was really popular back then. But once Mike came on as lead vocalist, and you know a lot of the band members changed, they were not they were no longer a Christian type of group. And but they still got picked up by Solid State anyway, just due to the association with that scene. Yeah, because there was a singer for a brief period right before Mike um, for like a year or two, I think. Yeah, and it was all it was all it was basically like Christian, you know, hardcore Christian metalcore stuff, and uh, so that that kind of explains why they were on Solid State. I know there were a lot of people at the time that were like, "Oh, they're Solid State's trying to trick us. They're trying to pull one over on us." And it's like, it's not really what it is. It's like if the old band got a record deal from Solid State, but then changed members. Like it's not like you know um, anybody was trying to like be deceptive. And I think Solid State was kind of legally obligated at that point to put the record out because 
they had already they had already offered them a deal. So if the band accepts it, you know, what do you do? You know, yeah, and you're in so, a signed contract at that point. So they they, yeah. they just did their best to kind of cover it up a little bit, you know, like with not printing all the lyrics because they knew that there were listeners that were going to be offended. Uh, you know, and in 2018, it seemed so silly. But, you know, like I remember back then it was a big deal, like in, in you know, metal message boards and forums and stuff and all the shit that existed on the Internet back in 2003, you know, where, you know, people were yeah. like, you know, oh, well, they're trying to trick me or they're this or that. I think the agony scene was just like, oh, cool, we're in a band and we started, we, we released a record and it's going to be great. And they start showing up at these shows and people are like, are you guys Christians? No, I mean, you know, I don't know if you if you I guys mean, are a straight I mean, edge, really? but do you know where I can get some, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> like, you know, I, I think you said it best last week, like, you know, met, what these what these guys are looking for is a place where, you know, not not the Aggie scene, but like just people in general back then is a place where they can just know without having to do any type of research. Oh, well, if they come from here, then they're OK. I don't have to look into it at all. I can just mindlessly consume it and you know, that's not the way uh, you should handle anything, really. And when you said last week that metal is not the genre for you if you are hung up about that kind of stuff. Right. You know, absolutely. You need if you are worried about that, then you need to look at the lyrics, do your research and figure out if that's something you want to listen to. Otherwise, or you just don't care and just take it at face value. Right, so like me and Buddy were just like, yeah, but I mean, you could say all that, but it's still a pretty kick-ass metal album, you know, and that yeah. that that's what we went for, you know, and uh, so I mean, anticipation couldn't be any greater for their follow-up, the darkest, yeah, red. like how are they gonna follow up that self-titled album? Because we listened to the hell out of that thing, we did. I mean, it was just every day. It's like, hey, we're driving around town. We want to listen to. I don't know why I'm asking. Just put in the agony scene. Let's go. You know, it's like, only 37 minutes. We can take a trip up north, come back. Yeah, it's we'll a very through the a, record twice. It's a pretty short album, so you know it's not a huge time investment. If you want to rock out, you can go. You can't do any wrong listening to the self-titled album by the Agony Scene. So then we did catch wind though that they they had signed with Roadrunner Records because it was pretty obvious with all the quote-unquote controversy that the the whole solid state thing just really wasn't working out. So they moved to Roadrunner, who was famous for releasing bands like Slipknot and uh, <clears throat> Nickelback. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> I have to get out of Joe's house. So, but, you know, it, it was a more mainstream sort of deal with Roadrunner. Because one thing I always think about when I think about Roadrunner band is all the new metal bands that came out of Roadrunner and how they always had really clean, melodic choruses and stuff. And so the Agony Scene released a song before the album came out called Prey. Damn good song, but right in the middle of it is this melodic chorus where he's like, you know, staring at the, or, you know, carrying at the scars. No, I'm sorry. Tearing at the scars. You know, she's open wide, she's screaming open till her lungs wide, collapse. Screaming till her lungs collapse. But like, for whatever reason, in that year, something like that would usually bother me. But it was so awesome, like the way they did it, that I'm like, okay, 
They're signed onto Roadrunner Records, so I'm kind of expecting that. I'm I'm expecting that they're going to do something more melodic. But I feel like they still delivered the goods in every possible way when that album dropped. I think part of what doesn't uh, annoy you about the vocals is that, like, back then, all those bands, that was uh, when a lot of the, like, screamo metalcore bands were doing the, like, real snotty, high-pitched nasal vocals. Yeah, they're doing the under oath. Yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. He Mike came in with this nice, like, middle-of-the-ground, manly, like, you know, vocal delivery that it wasn't a, you know, it was just a... It was just delivered well. Right. Um, He's not a great singer, but it sounds good. And it works, you know. Kind of like Norma Jean. Same situation. Like, not like the best singer, but can make it sound good with the band's sound. You know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this record, I mean, from the opening track, The Darkest Red, this album was somehow more deliberate and more catchy than even the self-titled was. Oh my gosh, yeah, I could not quit spinning this record. Like, I forgot how much I loved it. I just keep listening to this one over and over and over. Yeah, it's like, and I don't know if a producer stepped in and helped them with this or or what the deal was. I imagine being on Roadrunner Records was probably a pretty big deal back then. And just to hear how much they grew from the self-titled as far as songwriting goes... Like, this is, like, pretty brutal metal, and they never compromised that. Like, there was never there was never a step back in heaviness. They maintained yeah. the same heaviness that they had before, but then added to that sound. You know, so, yeah, The, the Darkest Red is a more melodic record than the self-titled was. But, like, it just, it was one of those all-the-pieces-fit kind of situations. And it, it I mean... It's by far, in my opinion, the best album that they've ever recorded. I agree. This is the agony scene that I know. This is the record I reach for when somebody asks me what's the agony scene. This album has flavors, seasonings of multiple different types of metal and metalcore. I start to hear the Zeo in it. I hear a little bit of Haste the Day. Not on Prey, but you know what I'm talking about. You still have the Gothenburg-influenced death metal, but they're starting to not do what As I Lay Dying has been doing for years at that point. Yeah, this record really stood out, and, you know, I like I like the lyrics. I, they're a little emo. The one thing I always complain about with the Agony scene, and it's the only gripe I have with the band, especially on these first two records, if I can say anything negative about them is the lyrics are super emo but they're delivered in such a way that you don't notice that you know but like if you read the lyric like if you just read the lyrics to the darkest red you know where he's all like this is my final breath the choking end of misery my walls collapse i pray for death uh this is my final breath peel back the flesh to watch it bleed the darkest red <laughs> like it, it like you could hear an emo band sing that like totally you know totally straight and you'd be like oh god they're just so lame or whatever but like the <laughs> way he delivers it on that song you're just like totally fucking pumped up like you know it it it, it is an earworm through and through and the whole album is just earworms i mean like 
You've got Prey, My Darkest Desire, you know, My Dark Desire, um, Scapegoat, Forever Abandoned. Like, this album kills it in almost every sense of the word. You can just replay in your head constantly. (laughs) Absolutely. Another one of those that you don't skip. Now, it does deserve to be mentioned during this time, and I don't know how much of this is, like, rumor or whatever, but supposedly the Agony scene was very much known as being a party band and, like, didn't always show up for shows and stuff. Like, it was always (laughs) kind of weird with the Agony scene, and I think they tried really hard. They were on a big record label, and obviously they put out great music, but it was always kind of one of those, like, what are they going to do next? So, like, when The Darkest Red came out, I mean... It came out in 2005. The self-titled came out in 2003. So you have that two-year. That's pretty normal. But we didn't really hear anything out of the agony scene. Well, it was two more years. So like 2007, we got the third album, which is called Get Damned. You got (laughs) damned lately, buddy? Have you been damned recently? When's the last time you've been damned? uh, The last time I had a conversation with Mike. (laughs) Mike damns you every time he talks to you. He Every does time. it in the correct context. <laughs> so we are we are we doing this? We switch into the next album. Oh yeah, two thousand and seven. Uh, I mean, no. we can we can yank on the darkest red, you know, as long as you want, but you know. yeah. Can I can <laughs> I go back? You can, can go, go back? back, yeah. So like when the darkest red came out, I mean, it came out in two thousand five. The self-titled came out in two thousand three. So you have that two year. That's pretty normal. I don't want to get damned. <laughs> This was definitely like a huge change, which is hilarious because it doesn't on the surface seem like a change, but there's something with the way everything is played on this album, musically. Uh, Vocally, I think Mike did something really interesting, but musically, something's missing. And I still can't quite put my finger on it, but... The Darkest Red had all these like interesting riffs and hooks, and this album just sounds like, okay, what's heavy? Let's just play that. It's more of a hardcore album. It's not yeah, so much maybe. metal. It's more hardcore. Like a lot yeah, of the tough guy it. hardcore bands that I like, you know, aren't really known for their interesting compositions. It's just this that they're true. heavy and they're tough and they're going to beat your ass or whatever, you know? But like, with the agony scene, it was a little weird to hear this shift towards more hardcore. I mean, shit. I mean, Barn Burner starts off with gang vocals. You know, yeah. That that's your first indication that like, okay, they have kind of stepped away from the metal side of it and gone more in a in a hardcore direction. And I mean, I think as a hardcore record, it's just as good as any other hardcore record that's out there. There's nothing on this record that I point at and say this is objectively bad, or they made a mistake here, but. The song craft was so high and on such an astronomical level on the first two albums that it's nearly impossible to understand how, like, we could regress like this. Um, And again, it's not bad. It's still heavy. If you want to hear heavy agony scene, listen to the self-titled. But if you want to listen to more (laughs) heavy agony scene, you know, you you can listen to Get Damned. And it's a pretty good record, but it's not really on the level compared to the first two albums yeah and i think they i'm trying to remember because i felt like a lot of songs ran together even though i listened to it three times this week um one one whole time through today 
and I don't remember, I don't think they did much much singing again, if at all. I think they went back to there's like, like just, one song on Get Damned that has some singing on it. Yeah, but it's so brief that it it hardly even warrants mentioning it. It's almost like on the first album how he kind of sang a little bit on Paint It Black, but like not enough for that to leave some kind of lasting impression on you. Yeah, it's like it's like they had a bunch of whiplash or, you know, like either the fans didn't like The Darkest Red a lot and so they wanted them to go back to this don't sing anymore thing or maybe they really didn't like doing the singing with uh, Darkest Red and they decided to go back. Well, yeah, I don't I, know what I think you're onto something there because I think The Darkest Red was such a mainstream version of the agony scene. I mean, I realize a band that sounds like this can only be so mainstream, but like, I think maybe there might have been a little dissatisfaction in that, you know, why do we have to have choruses? We're a badass metal band. Like, we don't need that. And we don't want yeah. that. And I, and that's the attitude I get from Get Damned was that it was just kind of a, kind of a fuck you to, you know, um, all of that melody, all that overproduction. This record is not overproduced like The Darkest Red was. Um, the Darkest Red is just full of triggered drums and um, just weird, like, just weird audio sampling. Like, if you listen to the double bass on Prey, it's, like, very noticeable that, like, there was some sort of, like, bassy sample thrown over every double bass hit. You mean, like, every metalcore album in the 2000s? Well, I used to always joke that, you know, <laughs> at the beginning of The Darkest Red and the beginning of Prey, the double bass sounds like a helicopter. Like, it really does, and, like, I mean, it's, it's cool. It sounds cool, but, like, it sounds a little fake, too. You know, whereas this record is definitely more bare bones in that regard. Like, the production on it is much more like the band was just playing the songs, and, like, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff being done to the tracks. Um, so, like, that's a positive in my book, but unfortunately, the incredible songwriting that the band was kind of known for at this point really wasn't there. Yeah, because, I mean, the first, the self-titled album was bare bones. There wasn't a lot of samples and stuff, but every yeah, right. one of those songs was super memorable. Whereas, yeah. I, I don't know, these just don't stick with me. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked Mike's vocals. I like Get Damned Okay. It's It's a pretty cool record, but it's not like... I don't know if I would have been as excited about the band had this been their first record. Yeah. They would have been a band that I would have been like, okay, well, we'll see what the next one sounds like. You know, that sort of thing. But for the most part, this record just didn't leave a huge lasting impression on me. And um, it's the kind of thing that, like, if a song from Get Damned comes on a shuffle, it's like, oh, cool. But, like, it's not really, um, you know, it's not a, if this was a video game, we would say it's not a system seller. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's not necessarily a killer app. But, you know, it was good to see the Agony scene was still around and doing something. And, and still putting out short albums. Still putting out short albums. That don't require a large investment. We did our whole discography this week in under two and a half hours. This was easy for me. I was able to get some shit done this week. Unlike the Offspring, that had nine fucking albums. And they so, all sounded the same. <laughs> right. Really, after 2007, the Agony scene was gone. They broke up in 08. And that was it. And, you know, we're like, okay, well, they put out three albums. This was, sadly, the kind of the lifespan of a lot of the metalcore bands that came out in the early 2000s. It wasn't unusual or anything like that. It just was what it was. And... Um, I don't know what else to say, really. It's just, uh, yeah, man, it sucks. It sucks that that last album wasn't that great, and then they broke up. 
I think maybe the lack of sales of the first album or that third album maybe might have contributed to it. I'm not entirely certain. Yeah, on Wikipedia it said something about like Mike confirmed why they broke up, but there was no link to what that explanation was. So, which means that's hearsay at this yeah. point. Yeah, it could be anything. And uh, you know, I know after listening to the interview that he did, you know, on the other podcast that you know, they had basically just hung it up because they all needed jobs, you know. It wasn't paying the bills and they had to go start their actual lives and you know, he he had, you know, um had kids and you know, worked a regular job and really wasn't thinking about the band. So like 11 years go by and you just assume, okay, yeah, the Agony Scene was a cool band I listened to back in the day. And it's not really like anything that, you know, that you're worrying about. And then earlier this year, they drop a single on us, seemingly out of nowhere. I don't think any of us were expecting this. Not at all. <laughs> Tormentor. Yep. They released a... Is I believe this the, the first same was, band, same members, same everything? As far as I can tell, it's the same lineup that was existed at the end of the band's lifespan. So we just had a gap, and then we're going to put out a new album. They got together to play some sort of reunion show or something, which is typical of bands like this. It's kind of their way of gauging, like, does anybody actually give a shit about our band 11 years later? I wonder if Hope's Fall had the same problem. It is the same members as Get Damned. Um, I believe the first single they dropped was called Hand of the Divine, and it had, like, a, a lyric video with it and everything. And But, I mean, the thing that I got the most out of it was that the Agony Scene was about to drop a new album called Tormentor. And I listened to it, and it's obviously Mike Williams. I mean, his, you know, his, his voice is unmistakable at this point. And, um, but this record sounded very musically different than anything that the Agony Scene had put out before. This did not sound like Get Damned. It didn't sound like Darkest Red. It didn't sound like the self-titled. Um, this was definitely, like, 11 years later, we want to make heavy music but we're not necessarily interested in repeating what we've done in the past. And uh, so this record surprisingly had a lot of like black metal influence, which is something that I thought worked really well with Mike's vocals. Uh, It's definitely more um, dynamic than Get Damned was. Um, All the melodic singing is gone. So like if you're only here for that, you know, like look elsewhere. Um, There's not a lot of that. This record, I think, does have much stronger songwriting than on Get Damned, but it still doesn't really hold up to albums like The Darkest Red or, you know, the self-titled Agony Scene. Yeah, I definitely don't hate it. It's not the same thing, and if I was a super fan, I might be disappointed, but it's not a bad album. Yeah, it's not bad. I I just, I had a problem of, I couldn't tell some of the songs apart because I felt like some... I felt like the same riff appeared in multiple songs. It's probably just similar, but... Well, this is metalcore, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they obviously did metalcore way better back then. I mean, how many songs really have been written by As I Lay Dying? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, I don't think that that's a good comparison, though, because I don't think this sounds anything like As I Lay Dying. Yeah. Or, or, or generic metalcore. It's okay metal to core. have the same ideas, though bleeding into other songs that creates an overall presentation well and that's what i got out of it this was a really short record too i felt like i couldn't tell songs apart they i I sometimes didn't even know i was like two songs later 
it still sounded like just another part of the other song I was listening to. Well, that means they did their job. I think this is the most atmospheric agony scene record, and that it's all about creating a feeling. You are now entering Daniel's and we, atmosphere. We really didn't have that on the first three albums. You know, um, the first album, the feeling is heavy. You know, the the second album, the feeling is, hey, it's heavy, but you know, you're gonna really like enjoy, like you're gonna be singing these songs for weeks, you know. And then Get Damned was just like, okay, we're back to being heavy, but it was always just like a collection of songs on all three of the original albums from their first era. This seems to be more focused on having an atmosphere that is that, that perpetuates a similar feeling throughout the experience. So I hear a lot of black metal in here, which is something they haven't really touched on before. And um, I don't I don't really consider this third album to be metalcore in the traditional sense. Yeah, it's not very metalcore at all. Um, if there's more traditional metal riffing is back. Um, I think I just don't like black metal as much as I thought I did. <laughs> or at least Sorry, the way we can't they do all, it. We can't all be horde. You know? <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> is this really black metal though? Really? But like let's look at this as no. a no, it's, it's not. not. It has black it's metal. Not. It has black metal ideas in it, but it's not, you know, fully black metal. Yeah, that, that's what I'm trying to get at. Is they've got some similar ideas to black metal presentation. Not that it is black metal. As a return album, I think that this was ex- this was very strong. It was really the best thing that they could have done to return to music. Because in 2018, you can't put out an album like The Darkest Red. The Darkest Red was a very is is still very much for me a nostalgic album. The songs are good, and it was really great for 2005. It's what we needed. However, in 2018, I'm not gonna be pulled in by a record like The Darkest Red. I'm gonna be pulled in by a record that is aggressive, that is heavy, and you know makes me feel a certain way. So I think in a lot of ways, the new album is more mature sounding than maybe what we had back in 2005. Even though I love those records, I think those are great records, and I don't think this is better than those by any stretch of the imagination. But I think as a comeback album, reestablishing the agony scene as a force to be reckoned with in metal, I think this record absolutely did its job yeah i'm definitely interested in seeing what their next thing past is gonna be um and i mean it made me listen to the agony scene all week uh because you know this album's only been out since july 20th uh so it's only been like not even yeah like what two weeks if that right only 35 minutes yeah so again it's not like you're like wasting your day listening to it you know (laughs) um but might be something that it just grows on me after a while because I do like this better than Get Damned. I'm just not used to it, I guess, because it's very different for them. Yeah, it does sound different, you know, and I don't think it's as gimmicky either, though. I think it's more of just like a like just a straight ahead, sincere metal album. And uh, and that's what I like about it. And I think it is going to grow on me even more than it has now because I've only had limited time with it, whereas I've had like a decade with the other albums. So it's easy for me to be like, this is why these albums are far superior because of this, 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 and this. 
you know, and on this record, I think it's going to take time is going to tell either with this record or the next record if the agony scene is back in it for life or, you know, if this is just like a cool thing that they did, you know, really late in their career. Is that your final thought? Well, my final thought on the agony scene is that they are one of the bands that a lot of people seem like they heard of but never really checked out. And I think you're doing yourself a massive disservice if you don't go and check out their previous records and the new record. Um, I think you're going to find a lot to like, and you're going to be like, oh, man, I really wish I had known this existed back in 04, <laughs> you know, or 05. Like, it, it might have been just what the doctor ordered, but you just didn't know about it. Maybe because you were expecting it to be Christian metal or because, you know, you just had to, you thought that they were just another band that sounded like all the other bands out there. And I can say that, like, with their sound alone, they were very unique uh, in comparison to like the thousands of other metalcore bands that were out there. And I will say that is my opinion. I wish I'd given the agony scene more time back in the day. I enjoy almost every second of it, and there's not that many seconds. So if you like heavy as fuck extreme vocals, this is your jam. Listen to it. Buddy, what about you? Yeah, I think uh, definitely this is a band that don't don't start with the newest one. Uh, go back, listen to the agony scene, the self-titled, and get to know that one. Because I think to really enjoy and appreciate the darkest red, I think you need to know the first one intimately to uh, appreciate the changes that come with the darkest red. Now, that's not saying you can just go listen to the darkest red because it's a great album. But I think you'll have a different level of appreciation if you really take the time to consume the first album and then move to the second one. What's your album of the week, buddy? So I've been listening off and on a lot to get the band name here so I don't mess it up. Shadow of Intent. They got an album out called Reclaimer. I don't remember when this came out, but uh, all their lyrics are kind of about like a Halo. But they're like this super brutal like deathcore band. And <laughs> all about Halo. Wheels going on in there. And then Master Chief took them out! (laughs) I don't think it's that on the nose, but Shadow of Intent is the name of a ship in Halo. Uh, And so it's it's kind of funny how that's just all a little bit connected. Um, But they're super awesome, and that uh, album is a bit more on that. Got that melodic tinge to it, but it's still super freaking heavy. Speaking of melodic tinges with super freaking heavy... I like to listen to Deadly Guitars sometimes, so Animals as Leaders, self-titled, because why not? Dan? I've been listening to Infernal Atrocity by the band called Revulsed. It's a uh, brutal, techie death metal album, and the drummer from that band is Jason Sherlock, who was the drummer for the band mortification when they put out scrolls of the megaloth so and if horde if yeah and horde so if you're looking for uncompromising brutality that is it what do we got coming up in two weeks we're going to be in nashville on august 25th we are going to be at the nashville palace on august 25th in nashville tennessee in case you couldn't figure that part out uh admission is ten dollars to the rock and pot expo too we are going to be there roach coach is going to be there Joshua Toomey is going to be there of the Talk To Me podcast. Brian Head Welch of Corn is going to be there. Toby Wright. Toby Wright. Toby Wright. record producer will be there, and we will be talking to everybody. What about this, buddy? 
Uh, Buddy might be there too. I am confirmed. Saying, I will be there. Oh, very good. I was yeah, about to do this whole stopping around in my hometown. I was about so. to do this whole I cannot confirm nor deny thing, but now <laughs> we have confirmation. So, Buddy will be there as well. So, if you want to meet Buddy and meet any of us or meet any of the other podcasts we mentioned or rock stars, dude, August twenty fifth, Nashville Palace. It's going to be the place to be. And on that note, this has been episode 77 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things Discography Discussion. And please, send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money! Give me your money!